a trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership. And the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. This is where you are safe to indulge, no, to revel in wrong think, even though there's a lot, there's a very long list of what is wrong think and what isn't, and it seems to be growing by the day. My fellow wrong thinker, Gary Welch, joins me. Gary, nice to have you aboard. Right from the from the bunkers of Utah, where we are scouts away from social media tyrants and government tyrants, and able for at least right now to get that that message out to fellow wrong thinkers that it's okay to think differently from someone else. Yeah, I was telling I was telling Gary as as I launched the hour. I know there are new people coming on board all the time because I'm meeting that people are reaching out saying, Hey, I just listened for the first time and, um, you know, appreciate the message that you have here. So if you're new to the, to this broadcast or this podcast, look, our goal here is not to, to give you another demon to wrestle. There are plenty of places out there that will give you those. If that's what you want, what we are trying to offer though, is understanding. We're trying to make sense of, of what's going on around us, especially through the lens of what are the principles at stake here. And, you know, and I think also with with some common sense of look and what do we what do we realistically control versus what are what are we allowing to, to have a hold over us? Now, um, Gary, you have you have a lot of experience in uh, political consulting, um, political strategy. I mean, you you have seen a lot of things over the years. Tell me your impressions about what you're seeing right now in Washington, D.C. Is this does this compare to any time that you can recall in, in your life where we've had what we're seeing now? Not in the United States, but I have seen it manifested in other countries and in other times. This, you know, here's the thing, especially like with conspiracy theories, they go out and talk about like, how manipulative these people are and how smart they are and how they're doing all these complicated things that that are manipulating everyone and controlling the world. And I, I always have a problem with that because I, I look at that and I'm like, no, these guys are not that smart. They really aren't, man. They are they are definitely not smarter than you, Brian, and they're way off on a lot of us. They just have a recipe that they follow. And that recipe has been repeated. And we talked about this before. We saw it in Soviet Russia, you know, when the end of the Russian Revolution. We saw it in Nazi Germany. We've seen it in Argentina. We saw it in China. It is the same recipe that they repeat over and over again. They are now doing it in the United States, which is creating crisis, creating fear, and having you react to those crises and fear on an emotional, not logical level, that you're going to respond from that fear and say, yes, we'll let you do things that we normally would never allow you to do. We will accept things that we normally would never accept. And here we are. You know, it's it's discouraging on the one hand, but again, I think it's also been kind of predictable. I've heard a lot of voices, your voice included, warning, look, this is what we're facing if we don't get a handle on things. 
one of the things that I'm noticing from the political class right now, and I don't know if it's because they're scared or if they're just, you know, indignant that uh, the the citizenry apparently got uppity on uh, on January 6th. But uh, they are they are trying to lock it down hard. I, I get the impression they're scared. Do you get the impression that uh, Nancy Pelosi at all? Are they operating from fear or are they operating from arrogance or something else? No, they're operating from a plan. The fear is fake. We have to portray fear because if we want you to be afraid, we have to show that that if I want you to be afraid, I have to express my fear, even though I don't really have it. They're not afraid. Oh, come on. What What is it that they have to be afraid of? That event that happened in the Capitol that they're making a big deal with would have been totally different and much more scary had it been a BLM or an Antifa situation. Then, yes, I, I could understand being afraid. But that thing, yes, it was bad. I'm not trying to underestimate it or, right. or, or explain it away. It was bad. But the, the thought of real danger, the thought of this is chaos being manifested in our society, that we have something to fear for our, the inauguration and all that, no. This is staged. This is staged because they want you to be afraid. They want to convey that fear. And they want to say, yeah, this is so bad. We are so afraid. Things are so out of hand that we're putting the army to surround Washington, D.C., like we did in the Civil War to protect all of these people. And yet, if you look at the news, if you go out there, I mean, all these these folks that have done the research said, what threat? What are you talking about? We researched it. We looked at it. You're talking about like 10 guys that are making threats. Okay, what's the big deal? No, I, I've never seen such, uh, I've never seen such just absolute disregard for, for reality in, in the reporting that the MSN is engaging in right now. And that, look, it's, it's not just, well, maybe you just see things from a slightly different angle. I mean, like when they're throwing around, when they talk about it regularly, the insurrection at the Capitol, I don't think it was any such thing. I think it, like you, Gary, I think it got out of hand. I think it was wrong. And to the extent things were broken and property was damaged, people need to be held accountable for that. But I saw with my own eyes this morning, I saw video of people in black block clothing that's the uniform of Antifa huddled under a tree there at the Capitol on January 6th, changing into red, white and blue clothing to better blend in, you know, with the, with the crowd. But I mean, they look, they were they were looking all around. They were shady as all get out, but they were clearly dressed in that black block. They had zip ties with them the whole nine yards and they were putting on, you know, other clothes. I mean, and I'm look, I'm not laying it all at the feet of Antifa, but. This is more evidence that uh, what happened there was not just an organic uprising of Trump supporters who suddenly, you know, went out of their minds, you know, <laughs> uh, because of because of his words. So and I, I think go ahead, go ahead. Well, to to compliment that, I think, though, we need to be aware that we are just as susceptible to that fear as anyone else. And we yep. will react to that fear. I mean, you and I have had that discussion. The day they come for our guns is the day it starts, you know, this when it gets out of control. But you can push people to that point. Others have lower push points where they say we are willing to escalate this to violence. We're willing to do that. And that's on our side. We have to acknowledge that. We have to recognize that. And we have to condemn and talk to those people and talk them down and say, 
no, this is not the time. We're not there. We're not even close to being there yet. We can resolve this. We can resolve this. Excuse me. We can resolve this through a peaceful political process. The time for violence is not there, but acknowledge that there are those of us who we would call people of liberty, people of the constitutional values, people who are conservatives, who are ready to say, you know, the fear has gotten to me to the point and the the persecution has gotten to the point that I am ready now to act. Yeah, I've I've heard it likened like this. And, you know, maybe this is an oversimplification, but um, for the political left, their anger or their rage as expressed through everything from loud voices to, you know, violent behavior is kind of like a, a dial and you can dial it up. You know, it's like a dimmer switch. You can turn it up to a certain intensity and then back it back down on the political right. People are very polite. And, and I think part of it's because they have a lot to lose. They're productive parts of society. They don't want to jeopardize that by, you know, just a moment of anger or, or irrationality. But when they get to the point where it's time to take action, it's not they get dialed up. It's a switch. It's on. Right. It's either on or it's off. And when it's on, um, let's just say they, they are pretty decisive about solving problems. And that's... <laughs> Uh, that's not a good thing. I'm not saying that, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, hooray. I'm saying it's it's sometimes a very sad thing. I don't want to see it happen. But as you mentioned, there are plenty of uh, there are plenty of alternatives. I'm grateful to see this last weekend. People didn't take the bait. Go show up armed right. at your state capitol. I had a good friend who was there. Um, he was part of the, the security team, you know, for the highway patrol. But uh, three of his brothers with him. And, and I kid you not, Gary, when I tell you, these these three men I consider to be um, perfect examples of what law enforcement, what a peace officer is. I, I felt like our government was in good hands while these brothers were up there. But essentially what it amounted to, they had a uh, an extended, very expensive, taxpayer-funded family reunion. <laughs> Nothing happened. You know, it was it was just, you know, it was it was craziness, but. In, in, in the sense that they, they were very bored, which is probably a good thing. Which we, was repeated all over the country. Yes, everywhere. Crazy stuff. All right, we got to take a very quick break. Gary Welch is my guest. Our show is brought to you by Alta Bank, Land, Landmark Risk Management and Insurance, and also Monticello College. We will be back right after these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. I'm going to mention this a couple of times, only probably to remind myself, but uh, part of the goal here today, too, is... To exert whatever influence we have to to urge, just don't let fear drive what's going on. Be calm. I don't know if, Gary, if there's anything you want to add to that, I'll give you the chance. But uh, keep your head about you. <laughs> yes. And so the thing of it is, is you always, we have to offer an alternative. That's the big thing, is that if left with no alternative, that these people are going to get away with what they're getting away with and do what they're going to do. 
then yeah, at that certain point, that threshold to where, where you call the switch happens, that threshold is getting closer and closer. And for some, they've already met it. It's a small yeah. minority, but they're already there. But that just shows how close they are to getting to the point that the rest of us now hit the switch and we we turn on and we said, okay, we're on, let's go. And you know, we've got to have that alternative so that we can divert people away from that and say, look, we can solve this and take care of it. And my big thing has always been, if you, if we're going to take care of it, let's don't try to take care of it at the federal level. Let's don't even try to take care of it at the, at the state level. Let's go into our cities. Let's take our cities and our local communities back. Let's fight there. That's the fight we want to have. I, I take the Sun Tzu principle about fighting. You know, Don't take on the big army. Hit their supply depots. Hit them in the rear. Do the, the, the fast attacks where you come in and slash their back lines and hit them where they're weak and all that other stuff. Let's take our cities back. Let's take our counties back. And, you know, if we if we just did that, think about it. What would happen if if all of us just went in, especially in these so-called red states, where all of the counties and cities belong to people who thought like ourselves? You know, the whole thing of let's play the nullification game. That's a fun game to play. I'm telling you, it is a fun, fun game to play and we could play it. Well, I'm going to just throw this out there, and 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 Gary, I'll I'll have you bring it back on track. As far as I wonder if some of the solutions that we're looking for may not even be political in nature. And, and by saying that, that doesn't mean that I know exactly what they should be. But I just I have a hunch some of them are going to require you know political solutions and and will be political in nature. But I think a lot of them may not be. Any thoughts? Hmm, that's a I never have thought about that before, because I guess I know I think in a political line of thought and I think like, yes, everything that all solutions are political in nature. But like if you're getting to the nullification side of it, of simply getting a society to say, nah, you know what, we don't have to follow that. We don't have to do that. I agree with it. Um, The fear factor is definitely a non-political thing. Just stop being afraid. They they yeah. want you to be afraid. If you are afraid and you act toward at if you react to the fear mongering that they're doing, you're playing into their hands. You're doing exactly what they want you to do. And that's a non-political reaction of just saying, Yeah, I see what you guys are doing. You're being a bunch of idiots and I'm not gonna bite. You know, I'm not gonna do that. Well um, specifically yeah, so point. specifically why I'm asking this is because um you know, I, I feel like we're we're in a, a place of uh, we're in a place of concern, and there's 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 potential for uh, th- there's potential for people to make some big big mistakes in terms of the direction government will go. When is it okay to stand up, you know, and have your Declaration of Independence moment? But there was something about the stand that the founding generation took that I think. Um, can still be applied today in in terms of uh, you know like the the moral the moral uh, boundary that has to be met you know um, for instance it was it was moral truth that 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 motivated the founding generation to finally take that stand declare their independence and then see it through with an actual you know war for their independence and uh, by the way you know I'm 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 certainly not wishing for it to come to something like that but I'm saying they left us good indicators of when would a people be justified in you know in resorting to violence to defend their god-given rights 
Mm-hmm. And I know that's, see, it, you know, this is, this is serious. This is real wrong think right here. People don't want you to consider that to, that question. But, I mean, what do you think the likelihood is, Gary, that we, that we get some kind of strict gun legislation quick within the first few days of a, of a Biden presidency? Do you see it? Or is that just, you know, a pipe dream for him? I don't know about a few days, but um, I absolutely, within the next four years, or at least two years, I think we'll have a uh, a pushback in the midterms, and Republicans should take over hmm. the Senate and, and Congress again, especially with Biden and Harris running their agenda and Pelosi and them. They'll, again, they'll push it to the point that the American public is going to go, oh, we can't do this for another two years, and we'll push back. But, you know, the Democrats have been always very, very good about pushing their agendas when they're in power, and they're going to do that. And I've, I've I told everyone, I've been screaming this, their big agenda is to go for your guns. That's, you know, gender, the gender nullification kind of issues that they're trying to do, and guns have been their two top priorities um, we're, we're, we're going to be stupid if we don't think that they're going to try that. Uh, but then, you know, are they going to come take our guns away? You know, have we gotten to that point? No, I don't think that's going to happen, but I see them putting more restrictions, more regulations, more banning of this and that, those type of things. I think we're going to get a, a look at prohibition only this time. It won't be alcohol. It'll be firearms, ammunition, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, people, people have a short memory of what prohibition brought. It didn't slow down the flow of, of liquor, for instance, but it uh, certainly made a lot of people uh, very, very wealthy and grew a, you know, a black market. I think you would see something similar just because, man, Gary, how many how many background checks did the did the federal government do last year on gun purchases? This is just the ones right. that had background checks. I'm thinking it was somewhere above 30 million, 37 million, something like that. That's and a, the vast majority came after the election. Yeah, I mean, the. That is that's unprecedented. The amount of people buying guns. I don't think that they're just going to give them up. I don't think they bought them with the intent that. But, you know, if anybody asks, sure, you know, take it, take it away. So I think people are they're they're prepared. Maybe they're unsure of what to do next. Um, one thing that I know you had brought up that, that I, I think we have to get straight in our heads. What's the difference between a ruler versus a representative? Because I'm seeing a lot of behavior out of uh, particularly Washington, D.C. these days, where if these people don't see themselves as rulers, man, they are missing a good opportunity. And and my point has always been, and and this was a discussion that came up um, in the Embrace Capitalism book that you wrote about how do they view themselves? Because if you view yourself as a ruler, you have a de- very different mindset than as a representative because a, a ruler does not value you. you. I don't value your opinion. I do not value you as a person. I don't care about your issues. I know what's good for you. I know what is best. That's why I'm <laughs> here. And, and I have that. I've been giving those God-given abilities because of the way I was raised and because of the education I had and the money that I came into and all these things that makes me the better person than you. And who are you to sit there and tell me what I should and should not do? That is the mindset of a ruler. Um, Brian, do you know anyone in in Washington, D.C. that would not have that mindset? No, I think it just goes with the territory. 
And I realize I'm painting politicians with kind of a broad brush, but um, I think it was Paul Rosenberg who pointed out some time ago about how we give politicians a status, this artificial rock star status. And he asked if, if that status is really as deserved as we sometimes make it out to be. I mean, I just I don't get it when people get all <gasps> googly eyed because there's a power figure next to them. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just a spoil sport, but uh, I like I told Gary off the air. I want to conduct an experiment. I want to see how far I can get through a, a given day without noticing any influence from the federal government or any of its people in my life. And I'm thinking that I could get pretty far through the day. We'll be back in just a few moments. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. My guest is political analyst and strategist Gary Welsh. Gary, uh, we're talking about current events. And I don't even know how to start most of the time when it comes to, to talking about these. But uh, but I want to assure people that all is not lost. Um, I know there are some very, very uh, discouraged people right now who were diehard Trump supporters. I know a lot of people who uh, were neither Trump supporters nor, you know, necessarily diehard supporters of anything who are definitely, you know, concerned with what we see going on. But uh, but the bottom line is there are some things we do have some some influence over. There are places where we have perhaps greater influence than we sometimes think. Instead of obsessing about all things at the federal level, talk to me about uh, about what we could be doing closer to home and why that may matter more at this point. So you brought up a very good point and you talked about it just before we went to the break and in, in, in this whole issue with Trump. Uh, just really brings it up to the forefront. And that is, how do we look at our politicians? And and we do, we give them rock star status. We give them leader status, ruler status, and our guy status. You know, it's our guy, right or wrong. We back him up 100%. We back our party 100%. And if, if our guy does it, it's good and it's okay. But if their guy does the exact same thing, well, that's bad. You know, we always play that game. And that's like a first thing in a mindset that we need to stop is they're not, they're not our guys. There are, and I've talked about this a lot. There are employees and we treat them as such. Uh, I don't care who you are. I don't care how much I like you. I don't care if I voted for you. You're my employee. And, and that's at the city level, county level, state and president all down level. You are my employee. You will do a good job. You will do the right job. You will do what I tell you. And if you don't, I'm going to fire your butt and kick you out. I just, that's all there is to it. And it's not like I hate you or I love you. It's like, you didn't do a good job. I'm kicking your butt out and putting somebody who will do a good job. And that's an attitude that we need to start taking with this because we have turned them into rulers. They think like rulers and a ruler does not care about you. Get that clear in your head. They do not care about you. Let me give you this. They do not care one little whit that 400,000 people died from COVID because if they did, they would have done something to stop it. And they didn't, they did the exact wrong thing 
And and I really I've said this before. I attribute the deaths over the last four or five months directly to government interaction. It wouldn't occurred if they would have done the right thing, and it wouldn't occurred if they cared. They don't care. Okay, I I'm with you on this one. How do you wake the average person up though who has been has had it drilled into their head from roughly age five? That uh, look, no government is there to to help you. It's it's always there to help you. It has only the most benevolent of reasons. A lot of people believe that, despite what the evidence in front of their eyes may be telling them, they still, in their hearts, have to believe that somehow this is all being used for a good and noble purpose. And and how it's being used right now is exactly you know what what it was intended to be. And it does get to the point where we are starting to see the absurdity. Of this, they have believed in their confidence and the and the politicians' confidence in this, and that we are going to accept them as our rulers. We are going. We look at government as being that benevolent organization that is there to help us. That they have taken that to the point of absurd. To that point now, that a lot of us should be waking up and looking at this and going, "Wait a second, it's becoming really, really obvious." that they do not have our best intention in mind. And and the things that we see them doing nowadays is just getting to the point that if you are a person of reason and you are a person of logic, you can no longer accept that dynamic, regardless of the propaganda that they've been pushing in your head since the day you were born. Yep. I think a lot of it comes down to uh, learning to think outside of the box that we were placed in at that early age. And and everybody gets there at their their own you know at their own pace. Some people are eager to get out of that box. Other people want to stay in there. Um, I think one of the hardest things for us, Gary, as, as people who who love liberty, who who want to promote freedom and prosperity and free markets and you know auto uh, you know that that autonomy that right. that that comes along with being a free person and, and the opportunities that brings. We're nonetheless, uh, we're odd <laughs> to much of society. They don't, they don't see how can, how can you support these kind of things? So one of the biggest things that I've been talking about is an adoption of true capitalism. And I call it true capitalism uh, because what they are calling capitalism is not even close to being capitalism. It's American socialism. But in the part of true capitalism that I like talking about is capitalism, we believe in us. Believe in yourselves. That That is a big component of it working, that you have to start by recognizing that they're not smarter than you. They're not better than you. They don't know more than you. They cannot predict the future any better than you can. In fact, they've proven that they're a lot worse than us in that. And so we have to start bringing confidence in the self. And the problem is, Brian, that that you say, well, I believe in myself. I, I'm right. I, I believe that. It's the other guy. It's that other guy that's wrong all the time. And we have to acknowledge that, yes, as a society, as people, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make big mistakes. But here's the thing. We're not going to be any worse than they are. And the odds are we'll actually be a little better in that we still will make mistakes, but we're not going to make as many as they do. And we have to recognize that, acknowledge that, and more importantly, embrace that of saying, you know what? They're not smarter than us. They're not better than us. They don't have a right to rule over us. We should rule ourselves and we should dictate how here, here. we are going to do our society. No, I'm I'm with you on that. And and 
to me, it it seems really self-evident, you know, just like they talk about in the in the Declaration. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. And it seems to me that that would have to be the better way. But but it's clear there are a lot of our, our, you know, fellow citizens who don't see it that way. And and I'm not going to, you know, try to say, well, that's because they're evil or because they're they're stupid. It's neither. They they often just don't know. I don't think they've been exposed to, you know, the um, the incredible system that the founders gave us that, that would still work if we were to to apply it or at least, you know, recognize, as you pointed out, these the people we elect to office are not elected to be rulers. They are elected to be employees and they should hold that uh, that with, you know, some fidelity. And if they don't, they deserve to be replaced. And so now to go on to kind of like go on a negative side of it, the other big thing that I preach is that if you are looking for the average American to come around, you're going to, you know, don't hold your breath because you're going to suffocate. That's never going to happen. They don't care. And then here's the thing. They never did. They didn't care in 1821 no more than they care in 2021. They never did. The average citizen in the United States in 1821 had no idea what was going on with their government or what was happening. They just were really, you know, I got to get the crops and that type of stuff. Today is the same thing. We're worried about our jobs, our kids, the schools, the PTA, our church, and things like that. That's what the vast majority of Americans are worried about. There is this minority of us who are, as the term goes, you know, who are awake. We understand we are passionate. We want to change politics. It is up to us. And and I call this, you know, this is the part of the um, the wrong thinkers. You make up that group. It is up to us who knows what's going on to make the changes and to to push that agenda going forward. The rest of America will follow, but it, it takes a concerted effort. And this is why I'm always opposed to a, an anarchist type of, of solution. We need a concerted effort. We need to come together and in, as a group and as an organization, as a structure to say we're going to change things. Is this going to be met with uh, with much opposition from the powers that be? I mean, they don't strike me as the kind to overreact, Gary, if you've seen any pictures of uh, Washington, D.C., <laughs> you know, for the uh, peaceful transfer of power or transition of power tomorrow. I, I mean, I I don't know that I've ever seen a more overt show of, of force on the part of government than what I'm seeing right now. And... Uh, I guess the big test is going to be, will they leave, you know, and how how long after the inauguration will those troops leave? Right. Let, let's don't do um, army fighting. We got to do guerrilla fighting. It's, it's you got to be smart about your battles, people. That's, that's the whole thing is we've got to be smart. If you're going to fight them on their on their level, if we're going to play their game, not smart, you know, we could be the best baseball team in the world, but if we're going and playing football against the, you know, the new England Patriots or something like that, guess what? We're going to get killed because our game is baseball. We got to change that. We got to say, Hey, you got to come play our game here, here. And for those who are, you know, I know there are people who just are are like enough. I'm ready. I'm ready for a straightforward fight. I'm just going to suggest that uh, there's a lot that you and I can do short of, uh, you know, taking up arms. They can move things in the in the right direction. Part of it's getting ourselves, you know, fully informed, knowing what we stand for, knowing, you know, what we're about. The other part is teaching that to the people who are going to follow in our footsteps. What would you teach them? 
if you knew that that was really priceless information. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. I shared this with Gary, but I'm going to share it with you just because it it made me laugh and I could really use a laugh. Uh, From the Babylon Bee, the headline, most popular president in history to be inaugurated in secret behind giant wall guarded by thousands of soldiers. Yeah, that's a mic drop headline. That is... (laughs) I liked the one the other day, too, about uh, evil dictator censored, then voted out of office. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, we, we're to the point where only satire is, is how you can, can say what needs to be said. Wrong think is being outlawed, you know, as, as we go. Yeah, the hyperbole is just outrageously high right now. Okay, let's let's dive back in here. Let's let's talk some solutions, Gary. You um, when we get together to talk, we're not just doing this because it's fun to sit and complain about things, even though it is. That's not our goal. Um, We want we want to steer people at least to to looking toward a solution, um, considering something. What do you recommend? There obviously is a lot that's not under our control, but people still have control and influence in other areas, where where do you recommend they put their focus? So my first recommendation is stop doing what does not work. We, we do these processes because we're told that's the way the process works and that's what you're supposed to do. And so we do these activities, we do these things, and they never do work. And yet we, here we go over and over again doing the same thing. And so like in the this conversation where I wanted to direct it is one of the stupid things we do is we go to our rulers and we try to negotiate with them to do what we want them to do when they have a ruler mindset. Why? So let me ask you this, Brian. Have you ever spoken with your legislature? Let's say, let's just you say your state government. Have you ever, your representative, walked in there and talked to them about something that you believed with or communicated to them, you know, sent them an email or something like that? Have you ever done that? I have. Yep. Did it work? Um. No, <laughs> not always. I, I mean, I've I've done it. Uh, I've been better about it at times, but but I've done it to, enough to where when your legislator knows you by name, when you come walking up yes. and they, they know you and greet you by name, you are probably doing something right. You know, you're right. They, and if they know you by your principles, then you're definitely doing something right. Um, especially if, you know, say they're supporting something that's kind of hinky or maybe outside what government should be doing. And they see you coming and you see them going, oh, crap. <laughs> They know they're going to be held accountable. That's a good thing. That's that's part of what good citizenship is. But this goes into the ruler mindset and especially the way that they see themselves. I can tell you I've worked very closely with these people. Um, I've talked to them behind the closed door meetings and when they're alone and they can speak freely and whatnot. And I I honestly want to tell you this to a person. I mean, it's it's rare. There are those out there. They are. They're really true good people that are legislators and in part of our office. 
but they are a very small minority. I don't even think they make 1% of those who are out there. The rest of them really do not care about you and they do not want to hear your opinion unless it matches theirs. Now, if you are someone that they have to worry about, which falls into to one of three categories, A, you're a volunteer. So I'm going to need you to help me get reelected. So you devote your time and effort. So you become my friend and my buddy and whatnot. Um, then I'll listen to you, but I don't care about that because you, you would only be in that position if you agreed with everything that I said and did. And you, you were one of my followers. The second one is you have a lot of money. I will listen to you then. Absolutely. I, if, but if you don't come walking in with a $5,000 check, I'm really not interested in your opinion. And then the third one is, do you represent the vast majority of the voters that will be voting for me? If you are in the minority, if you are not already espousing a popular decision that the most of the voters are already supporting anyways, one of which I will already support anyways, before you ever showed up on my door, I'm not going to support you. I don't care if your cause is right. I don't care if your cause is just. I don't care if your cause is constitutional. I don't care if it's the thing the government is going to be do. I don't care. No. That is who you are dealing with. I think uh, I've heard it put this way. Politics is a very amoral business, or at least it can be. And it's because politicians will say anything they need to say in order to get you to vote for them. And they will do anything they need to do in order to keep that money flowing to, you know, to secure reelection and to maintain their hold on power. And if you can get your mind around those two things, they'll say anything to get your vote. They'll do anything to get the money to keep them in office. Suddenly, politics starts to make a whole lot more sense. This is one of the things I don't understand, you know, with the, the outrage shown by uh, so many within the Washington establishment and, and people who are just like, oh, you know, yeah, the, the horrible, awful things that, that Trump did. And I think, you know, do you expect politicians to be somehow um, not interested in, in things that, that are that are pretty self-serving? And I'm not saying that Trump was purely a politician, but I'm saying. It just seems like the the outrage is so selective. And and I think, what did he do that actually made things worse? And as far as for the American people, I can actually point to some areas where Trump made things not as bad as they were before. Places where he actually rolled back government. I think a big one here in the state of Utah would have been the, uh, you know, cropping or the the redistricting of, of the Bears Ears Monument. You know, Obama threw that thing in at a last minute. That was a huge, huge grab of land. And Trump, you know, I think uh, rightly pushed back on that. But but all that said, he was a politician acting in a politician's role. Um, I just think I think people who are looking for political saviors are going to be disappointed. And Gary, I like your approach of there are places where we have to step up. Now, I've got to ask you, does that mean some people within the sound of our voices may need to step up and actually run for office? Absolutely. And, and, but it is, again, part of a bigger strategy that as wrong thinkers and as politically motivated individuals that we understand how we're going to win this war. And that is we don't fight them on their battlefields. We fight them on ours. So, yeah, you, I want you to run for office, but what, what I want you to run for is city council. I want you to run for mayor. I want you to run for school district. Not those really prestige, glorious, 
you know, jobs uh, that are going to get you in the spotlight, like, you know, senator and congressman and governor. No, do those barring jobs, do those things that that we really need to do, but run for those office. Put your majorities in city councils, put your majorities in school districts, put your and you can win at this. You don't need to be a millionaire. You don't need to be a popular person and have lots of money and lots of time and lots of efforts. You can really do all of these things just being the plain Joe you are and take over these these organizations, put people in place so that your county, school districts and cities are all controlled like people who think like us. And then we play the nullification game and we use the word that all great societies are built on. And that word is no. <laughs> I love it. That's I think that's the best explanation I, I've heard of, of the power of the word no. So, I mean, we, we don't know. We don't know a week from now, you know, what uh, what our situation is going to look like. Um, I'm just going to I'm going to ask people, please. If you feel yourself getting overloaded with fear, it's time to unplug. And if that means from this show, then unplug from this show. Give yourself a break. Go go take a rest, but but unplug from the matrix every so often and and step into the real world. Go show some love to a family member, you know, help your neighbor, whatever. But uh, just don't be surprised. The world is going to look more more normal than, than you think. Gary, any final thoughts you'd like to add? Yes, and, and just understand, um, you know, the fight's not over, boys and girls. Uh, we're still in this. We can fight back and we can win. We will prevail because we are the majority. So understand that they don't they don't have the majority. They don't have the control. We do. We just have to be, you know, fight smart. OK, any uh, any other thoughts? we got about one minute here before we are, are completely up against the clock. What uh, what's going to be on your radar screen for the next few days? Organization. Just yeah. really try get the word out. Right? I, mean, I think that to me is really the big thing. We have to get this message out so that we can all start coming together and cohesing together. Uh, we, we, with all things, it's the, it's it's the people that make it work. You know, good ideas die uh, through lack of water and, and and nourishment. And I think there's got to be a willingness uh, among that organizing. Um, this is the time to learn which little differences can be set aside. If there is some common ground you can find and that's, you know, where 90 percent or, you know, where you've got a good portion of what you're what you're trying to accomplish is there, then go with it. Let's not be so uh, let's not sweat the little details, I guess is what I'm saying. Gary, thank you so much. We'll talk again next week. This is The Brian Hyde Show.